Sorry, I'm this just over the This is Katie curtains. Hunter from Amazing <laughs> Sounds Dancing. <laughs> I'm here with my two favourite referees. I'm here with Dan Moverheady and Hello. Sam Amidi. How are we doing? Hey there, people. We've been saying we're going to do this for ages and now seems like a good time because for once you guys aren't spending every... I don't know how many days a week it is, refing events. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought you might have a bit of spare time. Yeah, just a bit. Just a bit yeah. of spare time. Missing it. Of course he has. Haven't you seen his barbecue videos he's been putting up? <laughs> of course he's got a bit of spare time. <laughs> weekend or no weekend, he's always cooking. <laughs> <laughs> no, ask him now. We don't always have to start with MMA stuff. Ask him now, Katie. Okay. Well, Sam, I had to... Uh bit of a failure of a barbecue yesterday and I wanted to know your little briquette things that you were using like what are they and where did you get them because they oh, seem so. to be doing a much better <laughs> job yeah they, they come off uh through a, from the back of a van from one of my friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah the restaurant, I the restaurant they, look professional they are the restaurant quality ones uh one of my mates used to sell me boxes of them and I was just stacked up on quite a few of them Oh, okay. So, there you go. so, so the guy will never go me. hungry. I'll never go hungry. Fully stacked How up. How are you, Oh, they're really nice. Really, really on point. <laughs> I saved some for lunch today as well. <laughs> well, you look like you were feeding about 20 people. Yeah, well, I count myself as probably about 10 of those, so... <laughs> <laughs> You like Katie? Do you like how he's taking it on now? Like before, when I used to post about him eating and whatnot, I used to be offended, but now he's actually taking on a part of his character. That's, that's, because, <laughs> I, that's because I know we're about ten kilos less than you, so you can say what you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, <right. laughs> but what's it? What's it like now? You're not able to do your normal training because obviously you guys. Um, <laughs> What training? This guy, I just about managed to get put a challenge up to do 10 press-ups a day. He's like, no, nah, leave that, man. I'm working. I'm the one out on the streets delivering stuff. He's at home in front of his laptop. You can bang 10 out. Well, you don't bother. I yesterday. I'll send you the video. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but so, is, is nothing going on? Well, why are you not able to train jiu-jitsu? Uh, are we... I mean, obviously, you've got a really nah, active we, uh, job, Dan, anyway. Yeah. Uh, no, obviously, at, at, home, at home, I've been uh, doing, doing stuff with the boys and doing my own training. But luckily enough, you know, with the technology we've got today, as of today, the the um, gym we go to, to New Wave Academy, they've, done, they've started two day, uh, twice a day doing courses or doing classes, should I say. Um, one BJJ in the evening. And then one uh, striking stuff in the afternoon. As it goes, we was going to train today, weren't we, Sam? But we've come to do the interview, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the first one you can blame on me, then. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, just trying to get our training in. But it, it is hard for people. Funny enough, I was listening to a podcast today with uh, Hannah Gracie, who does the Gracie Online uh, Academy stuff. And he was saying that, you know, when he first started up, you know, some people are going to hate the idea. Some people are going to love the idea of him doing his academies online. And yeah. uh, sure as hell, look at him now. He's like, well, you guys who laughed about putting uh, syllabuses and stuff online for people to learn online, 
guess what you got to start doing now? He's got 10 years worth of footage uh, when he started 10 years ago that he can offer to people now to train from home, whether you're with someone, without someone. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's crazy our technology. We're lucky, that, that, you know, if people are staying indoors, that we can, you know, use this technology or even going on YouTube and picking a couple of training tips up, whether it be BJJ, striking, body weight exercises. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's all the like non-exercise activity that I'm missing out on because like I'll I'll do like my set exercise that I'm going to do that day, like my class or whatever, but I'm not walking to the station. I'm not walking to different meetings and stuff like I bet that's quite a few calories over mm. Easy. Over the week, but... Easy for me as well. I feel that pain. I'm getting my excuses <laughs> I feel in that pain. Although, uh, I've been trying to buy one of these electric scooters so I don't have to walk in the city when I go oh, home. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You I do yourself no justice. Talking. What have you got there? Hold on. Let me now. Let me see. What are you eating? Got some bori. Oh. Chutney potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard work. These interviews. Oh, but <laughs> so, Dan, no, but it, you're, you're, you're still out on the front line at the moment. You're a postie. You're out yeah. every day. What's that yeah. like? And how much is it annoying you? <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what? I Obviously, uh, we, we, we deliver the stuff. We, whether you want us to call us key workers, people go, I'm just doing my normal day job. It is, you wouldn't believe, honestly, the amount of packets and stuff we deliver now is absolutely crazy, you know, because um, I know Amazon have cut down their staff, staff in any way. And like today, for example, we were delivering Bor Boris's letters to every household, which was a pain in wow. the ass, but yeah, it had to be done. Um, but yeah, it, on a, all, all, on a serious note, I'm glad I'm still kind of working as well, because like you said, it's nice to get out of the house doing my walk, checking up on my customers, etc. Um, but not a lot of people even... I, I honestly thought everyone knew I was a postman. A couple of times I put a couple of things out regarding my work and everyone's like, oh, I didn't realise you were a postman. I mean, yeah, the referee don't pay that much, my friend. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it, it, it's hard, you know, but like I said, uh, people, people like that, especially like the NHS staff, they're, they're, they're the real heroes because they've got to deal with the sick patients whilst they're you know whilst they're trying to do the best jobs they can do and putting their health at risk you know so yeah how annoying it. is it the people not taking the staying at home seriously when you're out there i'll risking? let sam answer that one i'll let sam answer that one i don't ever want to start with him <clears throat> i'll get every day from him okay honestly he's uh every day. <laughs> these epic people that these epic people that i'm just like no, all jokes are like, I just, I just, I like, look, we appreciate what people like dan and that do that are keeping this like nation kind of ticking over because of our people like himself the nhs workers all these people that you know run the supermarkets you know would be stuck so you know we owe all these guys a credit for everything that they're doing for us you know we're only able to stay at home because of these individuals so yeah. people please stay at home respect what these people are doing and save lives yeah, and I, like, you know, Sam said, I'll call him up and we have a little rant now and again because there's nothing else to talk about. There's no events to talk about. So, <laughs> so, so we're like two, two old Iranian men <laughs> having a little go at each other about, about the da daily things. Like, for example, like on the weekend, you see people walking around and, you know, granted, me, me, Helen and the kids, we go walk around the block just to get the boys out of the house. But then you've got people sitting down having a picnic in the park. They're like, what the hell? You know, yeah. and, and I, honestly, until it... 
I, I, I know I know someone who uh, is a friend of a friend who's in hospital with it. Um, hopefully not in a very bad way. But until you know someone or it does affect you in a, in a personal way, I, I think <clears> some people are just selfish, and it's that mentality we're living. Oh well, we won't we won't get it. Oh, it's okay. We, you know, we'll crack on. But it's it's, it's, it's sad. You know, we got friends. And one of the, one of the ladies who works on Bellator with us, Gaia, she lives in Italy, and she when when it hit them first, she was saying how bad the lockdown is, and she was like, I hope you guys take it seriously as we are. Mm. And um, sure as hell, our hospitals are you know <laughs> in filled up with loads of patients, understaffed. So yeah, it's a tough one. But yeah, and and lucky enough, Sam with the work he does, I'm sure he would say. He gets to work from home and he's lucky. You know, we're a few of the lucky ones that we can still work and still get paid. Whereas some other people, like the bar, restaurant staff, bar staff, simple things like people who do the cages, if we want to make it MMA related, people set up cages for MMA, people who do the medics for the MMA shows, people who do the cutmen for MMA shows, even us as ref. You know, it's, it's, it's for some people, it's a full time job or it's the income, extra income they get to make. And, you, you know, we're not making at the moment. Um, but, you just got to take on the chin and, and hopefully this will pass over. How, how's working from home going for you, Sam? Um, it's not going too bad. The only problem is I have my baby daughter half the time sat on my lap when I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> work on me. Is trying to keep her occupied. Um, it's, look, it's nice being around the family in terms of, you know, I, I kind of cut out that travel. I normally travel probably about two and a half hours yeah. in a day. Um, <laughs> and... You know, kind of cutting out on our travels is, is a great thing. And we're, we're quite blessed, the fact that we're a cloud-based business. So we can kind of run our systems working from home, and we quite often do. So we're always kind of set up in that way. Um, the, the problem is you do kind of also miss that kind of being out and being with people and actually just being able to get up and go speak to your work colleagues rather than having to sit there and, and give them a call or going on Zoom chat. You know, it, it takes time to adjust. Um, hopefully, we won't have to adjust to it for too long, and hopefully things will, you know, go back to normality. I mean, my wife, after the first week, wanted to kick me straight back out of the house. She normally moans about working from home that I don't do it enough. After the first week, she's like, you know what? I wish you just guys go back to work. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is the thing, Katie. The, the positive thing is, me and Sam were saying, the positive thing is our wives now can't moan at us for being away travelling. Yeah. <laughs> when we go on events, I mean, they'll be glad to get rid of us. You know? I think my wife lasted a couple of days. But yeah, they'll be glad to get rid of us, you know, not to be around the house. <laughs> but like, joking aside, you guys don't normally get to spend whole weekends with your families, no. do you? Like, no. no. I mean, it, I it's been, it's been you nice. you do more, but it must be amazing to spend time with them. Oh, it's definitely 100%. Nice. 100%. I think definitely over the weekends. The only thing is it's a shame that we're kind of locked into our garden rather than kind of being outside doing activities, yeah. which would be nice to do. Um, but at the same time, you know, just spending it with your loved ones because, again, these opportunities aren't probably going to want to sell opportunities. Things aren't probably going to come around again. So make the most of what you can with your family, your loved ones. You know, stay safe. Hopefully when things go back to normality, you know, you'll lose a bit of that family time again. But... Uh, on the plus side, you'd you know, appreciate it. You'd appreciate it. When, yeah. Then, when then when you do have the time with your family, you know, nine, nine times out of ten, myself and Sam, like when we come home, is like you see it on from his uh, social media, mine. You know, we don't come home and just go, okay, cool. I've been away all weekend. Kids, leave me alone. You know, straight into the next thing, whether we be taking the kids to the cinema, to the park, <laughs> whatever it may be. You know, we always leaving another event the next day very early to make sure we get home and in, in, in enough time to spend at least the full Sunday with them, as opposed to 
I don't know, mm. flying back late in the evening or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, you, you, do, you do you do appreciate it more, and um, I, I don't know if they appreciate it. <laughs> 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 They're ready for the events to start back up again. Exactly. Yeah, I know. But That's you know fun. what? The crazy thing is seeing. <laughs> Like for example, like tonight, I think on BT Sport they've got uh, Conor McGregor night, like showing all these old mm. fights and whatnot. It, in a way, it's crazy because I wonder how many fans or new fans that have been watching this sport haven't seen so many previous fights or, or like old fights. I've been putting a couple on on like uh, on my social media of like old school fights, you know, of of, of like for example Jeremy Horn fighting or Phil Baroni, Matt Lindland. How, you know, I wonder how many of these people don't know about them, those fighters, you know, from back in the day. It's yeah. actually quite good. And they know they're going to be getting the viewership <clears> on, <throat> on the BT Sport or wherever they're showing it on because everyone's obviously indoors or should be indoors, should I say. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. It is cool. I'm loving the recommendations from people on their Facebook, the, the fights that they're putting up and stuff, ones you haven't seen for ages or ones you've never seen at all. It's just... yeah. Really cool to revisit them. Um, heartbreaking as it is to have no fresh stuff. <laughs> but... Yeah, I know. Hey, hold on. You're you're in the media, right? <clears throat> and I literally just looked at my uh, Twitter page. What's is Dana White announced something today that an event's still going ahead or not? So <clears throat> the the most recent thing that I saw was um, him saying that it is that two four nine is going ahead. Um, Khabib is not going to be fighting. He will announce the full fight card today, but that's as much as we've got so far. So I think that's what it's going to be. Justin Gaethje, but um, I don't know. I I wonder how many, as a fan, and I'm speaking as a fan only. Like everyone's obviously, but we know someone, one of our good friends, one of the guys who, who does commission work for us, Fred. Uh, poor son, his wife had bought him as for his part of his birthday present. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. to go to go to, to Vegas or uh, where yeah, the fight yeah. was, and, and you know, flights, hotel, everything for his birthday. And, you know, as a fan, that's the fight we all wanted mm. to see. As much as Gaethje's great, you know, his next one, you know, and Tony wants the fight to get paid. So sometimes you think, oh man, just scrap it and and, and just let's put our fight on <laughs> some other time. You know, even if you carry on the rest of the card, because let's just say Tony loses, for example. Then how can you still yeah. make that fight against Khabib mm. and Tony? You know, it's, it's a crazy one, isn't it? I couldn't it? agree more. I couldn't agree more. Like I kind of, whether you agreed or didn't agree with two four nine going ahead, I kind of got why he thought it was so important for that fight to finally happen because it's just yeah. been supposed to happen so many times before. And as soon as it became clear that that fight wasn't happening, to me. No other fight matters enough to to hold it now. Like any other fight yeah. can be postponed. That was the one that I could see the argument for, yeah. and I just yeah. I is I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I feel the same as well. If he loses to Gaethje, his chance to fight Khabib and our chance to ever see that fight is gone. Yeah, because you're, you're not you're gonna see. But even if he lost, yeah, I'll still watch the fight. But you're still gonna have the people going, oh yeah, but he's fighting someone who lost the fight. That's that's yeah. what the argument is gonna yeah. be. You know? And also, but, a fight with Gaethje is gonna rack up some more miles, and he's getting on yeah. a bit as well, isn't he? He's, I think he's 37, which for a fighter, I wanted to see him fight Khabib when they were both in their prime. Not yeah. me forever saying, oh Tony was a little bit 
old when that happened? What about if it had happened two or three years earlier? Yeah. But, you know, I, th I think they're going to, whether they, I think also, like me and Sam were talking about this when the Cage Warriors card happened that took it to Manchester. And as yeah. much as people, even to a certain <laughs> point, ourselves were like, man, is this the right thing to do? Are, are they, are, how are they going to pull this off? Is it going to go ahead? How's the logistics going to work, etc.? And it was actually nice to be yeah. home <clears throat> and watch a fight that's happening right there and then in a safe environment. Everyone was, you know, kept to wherever the distance they needed to be in. I made sure everyone was in separate changing rooms because obviously they had the facilities to do that because it wasn't a full venue. It was, it was in an empty venue. And it just brought a little bit of normality to it, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but, it you know, nice. like I said, you're, like, you're, you're going to have people agree and you're going to have people disagree and, you know, people go. But at the, at the end of the day, also, you've got to feel for the fighters as well and for the people working on the show. You know, yeah, you're losing out. You know? But it's, it's, it's a catch-22, isn't it? A hundred percent. The thing that surprised me about Cage Warriors the most was how all the fighters just seemed to switch on, forget everything mm. that was happening around yeah. them. And just bring it like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. It was a good card. Still some cracking, cracking fights. Yeah. It was just like, cracking. oh my god! And like that just still felt to me like mm. it was in front of a big crowd. It was weird. It was. It was really good. They still come on mentally prepared themselves well, as Dan said, and they put on a great performance. I think that whole card was practically really good. I mean, yeah. it's probably the first time I actually sat down and watched a full card from start to finish in a very long yeah. time. So it was great to see, you know, fair play for K. Jorius for putting it on and actually, you know, getting it done. Because, you know, as an MMA fan, you know, if we'd lost that, I think I would have lost the will to live as well. <laughs> as well and, I mean and the staff but the fighters that actually had to go in and fight like to not know from one minute to the next like are they going to be fighting aren't mm. they going to be fighting yeah have I got a hit weight at the weekend like uh, oh it's not in London anymore it's in Manchester like yeah it's just and, and, and that's a distance as well let's not yeah. bullshit anybody that's not like for anyone who's listening who doesn't live in England it's like you know it's a good five hours away with drive should I say and and I'm sure on the day that you're cutting weight. On the day you're cutting weight, and I'm sure that that you know the trains weren't running properly anyway. So you know, he, like <coughs> I said, all the logistics and fair play for them to pull it off. And, and I yeah. thought it was, it was a good shout, you know. And Darren Stewart and Fabinski like agreed to change promotion, change opponent. <laughs> it's just yeah, crazy. That's 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 a that's a fight that you know. They're the real fighters, should I say, you know, crack, cracking on. And like I said, some of them had still were relying on that paycheck, you know. Yeah. Uh, we're relying on, on that paycheck to whether it be getting through the next month or so, whatever it may be, you know. But, yeah, respect to the promotion. And, you know, but then you've got the flip side of it, that previous week from that, I think it was a week before that, Bellator counts for the event <laughs> on the day, the one that was meant to happen in Connecticut. Yeah. Again, Fair play to them, you know. You know, at the end of the day, we can have everyone on Twitter or social media saying this and that. The the people who are running that organisation know their health and safety, know the risk checks they've done, that they're, they're everything they've put in place. If it meets the criteria for them to cancel the event, of course they'll cancel it. If they can carry on, they'll carry on. You know, so they, so there's there's 
two sides to that, you know. Um, yeah. But again, again, credit to Bellator. They looked after all the fighters. Everyone, and should I say their staff as well, I believe, yeah. uh, got paid as well, who were there. Because don't forget, they, <clears throat> me and Sam were getting ready to watch it. And then it got cancelled a couple of hours before oh, three we hours start, four, yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 After waiting. Because uh, we didn't fly out, Dad. Because Dan was like, yeah, we should not fly <laughs> out. Watch that, man. So the last uh, event yeah. I went to live was one that you guys were both repping. It was Cage Warriors Academy Southeast. The hashtag um, Arbor. Oh, my God. Yeah. Armbar City. <laughs> Yeah. I went back and looked at the um, results. There were seven arm bars out of 36 fights. Unreal. And how many, hold on, forget the arm bars, between Sam and Harry Selby, the other referee, I think they might have had, even if, even if it's just in one fight, total of eight to nine nut shots that night. Yeah. Probably. One yeah. shot. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot. There, I mean, there were... That card is always, oh sorry, not that card. That show is always got some cracking fights on it. Um, but this this card brought everything. Like we had a disqualification for an illegal knee. Um, it was just just pure craziness. But I mean, we we said that we were going to talk about some of the arm bars because obviously there were a few protests on the night. And I just remember from our rules talk. Um, bit different for Wimp to Warrior. We've probably we've got less experience even than the amateur guys on these cards. But I just remember you saying that you will never leave the decision to us, like whether to let our arm break or not. Like you're gonna intervene before them because we're amateurs, and when we're pro, it's up to us if we're gonna like let our arm. Well, even break. then, even then at pro, so we don't want your arm to break. <laughs> <laughs> Inter interview done. Thanks a lot, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> but I always, I always say that to everybody afterwards. Like, and you know, the, it, you may not have tapped, but if they could see it, I've, I've heard it so many times. But I mean, what, what's your response to the people who, who protest to you stopping those fights for arm bars? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think the first thing they need to realise is what our, you know, what our roles in there are. You know, we're not there to be the face of the show. We're there to, you know, put the fighter's safety uh, as, like, paramount. Uh, so, you know, our, our main two things are, one, to ensure the fighters abide by the rules, and two, the safety of the fighters. Now, especially at an amateur level, okay, bear in mind that these are amateur fighters. They're still young in their careers. Quite often or not, they probably haven't had an armbar hyperextended to that extent. You know, just a slight, just a hyperextension will do enough ligament damage to, you know, to, to injure your arm for a while. And I think we saw that on one of the fighters on the night uh, that he tapped a little bit too late. And, yeah. you know, he ended up having to, to walk out with a sling on his arm because of the fact he, he didn't tap quick enough and his arm hyperextended. Now, thankfully for that fire, you know, as far as I'm aware, his arm didn't break. Um, <clears throat> But the fact that, you know, he tapped a little bit too late because he wanted to be stubborn and hold on to that arm and he hyperextended his arm. And it literally takes a slight, it, it takes a second, if that, you know, there, there's, no, there's not even a second to it. It's a, it's a quick reaction. As soon as that arm is pulled, it can break. I've had it at a pro level, I think, at an event in MTK, and I'll, I'll never forget this, where it was Dan Vinny against one of the, one of the French fighters. I can't remember his name now. Um, but he, he was in this arm bar and he wouldn't tap. And he just, he kept switching position. This is a fighter that knew how to get out of positions. 
uh, you know, you can clearly see that he was moving around, getting into different positions, trying to escape this armbar, you know, rolling over, Dan Vinny then rolled with him and Carl kept holding on to the armbar. Eventually, his arm ended up breaking uh, and then I stopped it and then he like kind of like ended up trying to like, like screamed and tapped after, but, you know, I'd already stopped it because I saw the arm break. Now, you know, it took a split second and it, it, he's, a, he's a fighter that was showing the right techniques to get out of that arm, but it took a split second for his arm to break. And, you know, he ended up having to, you know, go straight to the hospital. And I think amateur seed need to realise that we can take that decision out of your hand, whether you like it or not, for your safety. I'd rather err on the side of cautious um, for the fighter's safety just to ensure they can go back to training. Because they've got long careers ahead of them. The last thing you want to do as soon as you stop, you know, you break an arm, there's a good chance, good chance that arm's never going to recover and be 100% again. And we're trying to look out for the longevity of the fighters' careers, you know, uh, and their safety, of course, because the last thing we want is people to walk out in broken arms and broken legs or limbs. And it can happen because it is a split-second thing. But if we can stop that from happening, and we don't just, you know, for us, it's not a case of you're caught in an arm, but we're going to stop it. We'll give fighters opportunities, depending, again, on their position. You know, we've been in positions where we've seen it. And if you're not showing us the right techniques, you can sh you can get yourself out of those positions. And we'll take those decisions out of your hand for your safety. Now, you know, for me, I'd rather a fighter be upset with me for not having an arm broken and stopping it slightly early, if that's what they feel. Um, than them having a broken arm and turning around to me and saying, why didn't you stop it when my arm was hyperextending? So it's that, you know, it's, it's that catch-22 at the end of the day. And <clears throat> as I said, we would always kind of give the fighters opportunities to try and get out of that position. I think I had one where the fighter was, oh, you know, he was, he was stuck. Yeah, no, no, it was the Moidin one. So Moidin one I let carry on because he was showing me the right techniques to get out exactly. of the opponent up and slamming his opponent despite his arm hyperextending. I had one earlier on in the night where he got caught in the arm, but I can't remember the young, young kid's name. Good fire, and you know, he's, he's, he's a young fire. You know, I hope him all the best in his career. But he got caught in an armbar and he was stuck up against the cage. And I see that arm hyperextending. I think his coach even said to him when he came in the cage that, you know, your arm was extending quite bad. So it, it, it literally took a split second. Now, bear in mind, he wasn't probably in that armbar as long as, you know, what most people will normally be in an armbar for. But the fact that I saw his arm really hyperextending, and I was, you know, for me, it's it straight away like, look, this arm is going to break. He's not getting out of it. It's, it's, it's bending more and more. Um, you know, I've got a split second either to stop this or I let it carry on, in which case the arm could potentially break. Now, we're never going to know because I stopped it. But at yeah. the same time, I'd rather not know, if that makes sense. Second guess, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And there was one that was stopped for a verbal tap. <clears throat> yeah, yes. But a verbal uh, tap uh, doesn't actually mean, or doesn't only have to mean tap, does it? Like, no. No, so a, a fighter can verbally scream, and this is even at professional level as well. You know, screaming. What well, happened to Danny Roberts at UFC London yes, it did. last year? Yes, it did. It did. Um, so I think this was a uh, Perry uh, Perry Snooks, if I'm Snooks, right. Snooks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, listen, fair play to him. He was putting a great performance on the night, and he got caught in an armbar. I never actually said anything to him. I just want to clear this up. I never once said anything verbal to him. I was trying to get into a position to see what his arm's like. He got caught in the armbar, and then it went belly down armbar. When it went belly down armbar, all I heard was a, a shout of no. And and then for me, it's like, shit, something like his arm must be caught in, in a bad position. So I, I said to the front, stop. Uh, after that, he'd obviously then turn around and says, I said, no, no, like, no, don't stop. To me, I don't obviously hear that don't stop part, well, number one. Number two, I never, you know, I never spoke to Perry during that moment. I never asked him the question, are you okay? And you wouldn't anyway. And I wouldn't. For me, I was just trying to get into position, see where his arm's at. And for me, his arm, you know, at the time, his arm was hyperextended, but I couldn't tell to what extent. 
Now, when he's obviously then speaking to me and shouting out no, for me, I look at that as a sign of shit, he's in pain. I can't take that risk now because I can't see how bad his arm is because it's a belly down armbar. Um, he's caught in it, and the fact that he's screamed verbally, uh, and, and you know, it's a loud audience as well. I've, I can't, you know, for me, I have to side on the air of cautious in that situation because, you know, for me, it sounded like he was in pain and he was caught. Now, after he's obviously said that, I said, no, don't stop. Again, I wouldn't understand why you, you'd say that when I haven't even spoken to you. Uh, as a far, I've not asked you, are you good to continue? Are you okay? Show me you get yourself out of position. I, I didn't give him any kind of indication. I was just trying to position myself. So for me, it was, you know, it sounded like he was in pain. He was caught in it. And therefore, I stopped it to, you know, protect the fighter himself. Now, you know, if if potentially I did get it wrong, then we'll never know because it's always going to be his word um, against kind of what I heard. Um the fact is, I'd probably stick by that decision a hundred times out of a hundred times, you know, especially as a fighter. If, if, I, if I'm not speaking to you, there's no need for you to kind of give me the command that, you know, no. And when you're screaming like that, no, you know, it's for me, it sounded like he was in pain and he was already in a bad position. So when you're in a bad position, you're screaming in pain and shouting no, that that, that is as good enough as a verbal submission. Uh, and therefore, yeah. for your safety, we're going to have to stop the fight. And the thing that fighters <laughs> need to remember is that as a referee, we won't ask you a question. We'll give you commands, like show me you're good, get yourself out of there, need you to work. We'll never go, are you okay, mate? Because we've had people, even if we haven't, even, even if we haven't asked them a question, I'm saying, like, come on, get yourself out of there, like, give me a thumbs up. I'm like, I haven't asked you to give me a thumbs up, you know? Mm. And, and a lot of people, I've had it before where guys come to give me a thumbs up, all of a sudden he's lost it. He might, he might have had a gable grip and he's gone like that. Next thing you know, his arm's gone, yeah. you know? And it's like, I have never asked you to give me a thumbs up. I'm not even asking you to talk to me. You just, by your action, same as like we would say, come on, guys, let's see some progression here. Let's see, look to finish this fight. Let's see some progression from wherever the position you are. You know, we, we'll, ne we'll never, like, we always give you a command. Not necessarily, we'll never ask you a question. I know, I know Sam doesn't, I know I don't, and I'm mostly professional guys, but if you ask yeah. him a question, then, then you ask him for a word of trial. Are you okay, mate? And he goes, yeah, I, and he gets choked out. He's like, hold on, ref, I was trying to answer you. <clears <clears <throat> You know, yeah. um, but it's, it's you know, like Sam said, and, and that they could have heard someone about, else in the crowd, I guess, or just yeah, like yeah. It, let, you, you're gonna, you can't let for coming to the crowd, you can't, you, you know, don't let the crowd influence you anyway. But like Sam said, it's so loud there that imagine Sam didn't stop that armbar, right? And he's going, no, 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 I don't know how he said the no, whatever it may be, right? And he didn't stop that and his arm breaks or he really hurts his arm and he'll be like, fucking hell, ref, I was trying, no, I was trying a verbal tap. You know, it's like, then, then what? Then the referee gets all the blame for it. You'd rather your referee stop you and save you from a position that looked like anyway that you weren't going to get out of, right? So <clears throat> would you rather that or would you rather walk it like Sam said, walk home with a, with a broken arm, especially at amateur level, you know? I know which yeah. one I would take. That one to me just looked like a misunderstanding, just yeah. looked like he... I don't know, he thought that you'd said something or <clears throat> it was just... But on a card of 36 fights, you're going to get some freak outcomes, aren't you? Mm. You are, you are. <laughs> you are, yeah, you are. It's, it's like when, you know, bless his heart, it's like when Jack says, guys, what did you think the fight of the night was? And I'm like, bro, like, we just <laughs> got 37 yeah. fights. I can't remember. <laughs> like, we've had everything. We had the knockouts, TKOs, you had the submissions, you had the decisions, whatever it may be, you know? Uh, but yeah, on, on the actual uh, event itself, uh, credit where credit's due. I'm, you know, I'm lucky enough. I can only speak for my personal 
opinion. Uh, lucky enough to work with other good referees like Harry. Rich Mitchell's usually there as well because I believe he was on Cage Warriors, which is Sam. And occasionally when one of these guys can't make it, Leon comes down. Uh, we make it work, you know, and it does always seem look, look like it's rushed. But it's not. It's, it's the people backstage getting the fires ready. You've got the cut men vassing them up or cut women a, a lot of their last show. Getting them vassed up. You know, trying to make it work clockwork. You know, and like, I know it's like, oh, bloody hell, 37 fires. Oh, we started at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. But the saving grace is it, they are all good fights. Like, you've got the guys yeah. from uh, Denmark coming over. You've got the guys from France who come over. The guy from Belgium. Obviously, the British guys who fight over it. You've got good, talented fights. The only downside to it, again, like I said, is like when Jack goes, oh, what was your favourite fight of the night? And you're like, fuck, I can't remember. <laughs> you know? you know? So, it's, it's, but apart from that, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. And Sam, that fight you was on about with Dan Vinnie against Patrick Valet. That's the one. That's the one. Well, if, if anyone, and Sam's right, that was a, especially at a pro level, that was a very good fight to watch. How this guy, you know, Worked out of them on bars and, and, and he just got caught to a point where, yeah, where he did injure himself, you know. Um, but so I've had it on quickly coming back onto your arm. I think I've had it on the other one. I think it was on Fightstar. I can't remember the kid's name. I forgot his, I don't know exactly what he looks like. Um, the one who um, he got caught in an arm bar, his arm hyperextended. I, I stopped the fight. It was from uh, Force MMA, uh, Das Wilson's gym, a renegade fighting system. And uh, it was, oh, ref, I'm fine. I'm double jointed. I'm like, well, for one, I don't know that. And two, that's irrelevant. Like, this is, you know, it, just because you're double jointed, I'm not going to let you lay there and for your arm to, to hyperextend to a point. You know, and again, people think because they're double jointed, they're not going to do no don't damage. Break, yeah. Of course, no, you're still doing damage. Still break, yeah. Of course, you are. <laughs> you know, so that was the other flip side of it. But ref, oh, I was about, again, his coach was like, it doesn't matter if you're double jointed, triple jointed, wherever you're jointed, you are. It doesn't matter. You know, but hey, who'd be a ref? <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned Fight Star there as well. I love that show as well as Cage Warriors Academy Southeast. What for you guys? What do you think of the the young talent coming through and what it means for MMA in the future? Because I get so excited when I go to these shows. No, of course. I think I think just looking at that. If anyone wants to look at a young talent fight, look at that Mohadin and Kane Isaac fight. I mean, that just speaks volumes for the talent we've got in the UK. I mean, it's scary to think that these, you know, all these amateur fighters are fine at this level because 10 years ago, these guys would be whooping most of the pro asses. And that's, yeah. that's the reality of it is, yeah. you know, the standard has stepped up so much that these amateur fighters are scary. But, you know, also, you know, I'm in awe of watching them because for me, I'm just so impressed watching the amateur scene and then the way they progress onto the pro scene now. You know, you've got kind of the... Your IMF setting up, you know, steps for these guys to proceed in and kind of progress on to being pro if they want to fight against other nations and test their skills against different skill sets. Um, but, you know, for me, it's just amazing to see that, that the caliber of the fighters are talent. And, you know, a lot of these the hybrid fighters, like, you know, you see they do stuff and you're like, wow, I haven't seen that before. Uh, you know, yeah. it's just amazing that they test their talent and their skills at these levels against high caliber other amateur fighters before they progress on to pro. You know, they're not they're not doing those one, two, three fights and then going yeah. on to pro a lot of these amateur fighters you see they're really taking care of their amateur career before they actually progress on to pro because when they go pro they want to make it to the top and i have no no doubt you know i probably can think about two or three that will probably go to the top off the top of my head probably without naming names or being biased but it's probably good two or three that i can think of that will probably go pretty far at a professional level very soon yeah, and, and like Sam said, you know, win or lose, you know, I'm sure people have heard me say, it, win or lose, 
But even even if they're lost, mostly if they've lost, yeah. I say to the amateur guys, don't worry about it. It is only and no disrespect, it is only an amateur fight. No one gives a fuck. You don't lose period. You learn. Okay, you don't lose to learn that amateur. Like the biggest deal in the world, isn't I don't, it? No, I, I, get, I, get that, I get that. I get that. But, but, I've, also had, I've, but I've also had fighters afterwards come up to me and go, Dan, that's what I needed to hear. Thank you. You know, yeah. we've had we, we've ref fights where 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 the fight's so close and the guy just made one mistake and he got caught. Doesn't matter. I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. Look how well you was doing prior to that. Go to the gym, work on that. Don't beat yourself up about it. Come back and do it again because you know amateur records. Honestly, it, it does mean something. And the base, like Samson, IMF obviously do the world championships. Blah blah blah, etc. You can go and compete against other nations. But like, as far as like being worried, oh. If, especially if you're wanting to progress to a professional career, it's not going to have it because once you have that professional debut, everything else in the past has gone. Yeah. Yes, obviously yeah. it's still there. The, the commentators talk about, it. look, he was this IMAF world champion, he was this amateur champion on this show. Yeah, great. But the minute you turn pro, the rule sets are different, the timing are different. You know, the techniques that you can use are different. You know, so all that is in the past. Your training mostly changes as well slightly to adapt to that. But yeah, it's it's uh, it, we are lucky as as especially like you said, Fight Star, uh, Cage Warriors Academy, uh, them two for me at the moment, they they they're bringing the international guys, and I think we had LFC, LFC Leo, as well, yeah. Leo Alderman's last show, he brought a couple of um, uh, the Belgian guys and the German guys over. It's nice to have international guys coming over, amateur guys, and competing against the British guys as well. So everyone, so because before it used to be you'd only fight your guy who lives in Kent. So you're doing the same yeah. kind of circuit all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you have people coming over and test being tested. And same, I'm sure the same goes for the people who come over from France. Yes, it's legal now, but obviously they, they're not up and running at the moment regarding the, the MMA events. Yeah. Um, and same with the Norwegian guys who come over. They just want to test different people in different waters. And it's nice. It's nice to see that. And like I said, Raj, especially when he when he brings some of the guys over from Iceland, um, from uh, Gunnar Nelson's gym, they come over, they compete. I mean, you know, I remember first time I went and refereed on, on Fight Star with Sam and Gunnar Nelson and his dad were there and with their whole team, etc. And some of the guys who were fighting the guys from their gym were like, like for them, it felt like they were fighting Gunny Nelson, who the UFC fighter, didn't it, Sam? Yeah. Like, oh my god, like I'm competing against one of That's his me. guys, so yeah. this is a good challenge for me, you know. If he's bringing guys over to fight and I'm fighting him and I'm winning or whatever it may be, you know, they were getting excited on that on, on that side of it. And it's good to see promoters, and it's not and it's not you know cheap, you know, it's called you know, it does mm. cost, um, but it's nice to yeah. see that that starting to bring people over, you know, and to compete against these guys. Yeah, there's just way more opportunity than there's ever been on the amateur scene. And I just feel like it sets them up so much better. Like you said, it, you can take on the toughest challenges possible and know that as soon as you make that pro debut, that's your we- record yeah, but, wiped yeah, clean. That's it. But don't forget, some people's goals are not to turn pro. Some people's goals yeah. are just to be the amateur champion of the world like it is like I would say like in Olympics for example because they're amateurs uh, for most of the sports and for them to win that that's that's the being like the UFC champion pro champion you know so again there's there's goals there and there's enough people now competing from all over the world 
on different stages to, to be able to go, okay, I am the best amateur in the world. I'm not the best amateur if I've done you fought the guys from Kent or from London or from yeah. Manchester. I'm the best in the world because I fought from people from Kazakhstan, Russia, wherever it may be, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. Um, so, yeah, I've I've got a ton of questions that people have sent in for you guys. Really? A ton of half of a, half of half of them are recipes. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, before you go into the questions, stuff. before you go into the questions, so I wasn't at the last Bellator, right? Because I was on holiday, Dublin. You witness how much this guy no. eats, correct? No, yes or no? Not. Come on, and, and I've got photo evidence of it eating. Yeah. Now you know. Now you know that I'm not bullshitting you, right? <laughs> I think it's yeah. It's. Um... <laughs> I mean, I I went out to dinner with you, didn't eat like a lot then. Um, <laughs> But it's, I think it's, it's is it little and often? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's little and often. I'll say it's, uh, yeah, it's just a, unfortunate for me that every time I do get caught, I'm having a big burger in my mouth or something. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads nicely onto the first question that's just for you, Sam. If you had to choose between not seeing your wife for a month or not having a Morley's for the rest of your life, what would you choose? <laughs> Hold on, let me just check my wife <laughs> Me, I, I think I need to buy shares in Morley's, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> I need to have my Morley's, okay? So, yeah. Sorry, love. See you now. <laughs> I don't think that would surprise many people. <laughs> I, I hope you're going to edit this section to... as the question answer with Dan and Sam and put it out separately just so she can watch this bit, yeah? I mean, I, I don't know if people know, but I made, I, had to make, I made fried chicken the other day. The only reason I had to make it homemade was because my wife wouldn't allow me out of the house to go and buy Morley's that day. So. <laughs> and rightly so. And rightly so. Government's advice is to stay at home. It was an essential travel. It was an essential travel, thank you. Exactly. Well. <laughs> so how was your own um, fried chicken? Pick up put Morley's out of business or that. I'm going to have to make you guys some, honestly. <laughs> was it really okay, good? It was really good, yeah. It was really good. I'm going to have to do it again. <laughs> One for you, Dan. Do you miss fighting? <clears throat> do I miss fighting? Um, no, not really. I'll be honest. Uh, the amount of times I've got knocked out during my career. <laughs> how, how many times? How many fights did you have? I had fifteen. Uh, lost eight. Uh, won five, and I've done a couple of kickboxing fights as well. So. Right. Yeah. So if, yeah, I don't miss it. I miss the training side of it. But it's like we go, we go to the gym, and the guys go, "Oh, come on, let's do a bit of MMA training." I'm like, "Dude, I don't want to." I, I, don't want to get punched yeah, in the punch no, Grappling, yeah. grappling, I'm fine with. Uh, and you know, and all jokes aside, also, you know, you got to think. When I used to train the Titan, is when you know, yeah, yeah, people. I've, I've had people like Bola. He's he's knocked me out before. I had Babyface. He's knocked me out in training. And you know, and 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 you you know, you get your bell rung. You think you're okay, cool. Shake it out. And you go in again. And I wouldn't be surprised, given another 10 years, if I've got any CTE. <laughs> you know? But no, it's, it's, it, honestly, for me, it's, 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 it, no, I, I don't miss it, um, obviously. But I, I do I do miss the, um, being around all, all the whole team, like, you know, people like Brad Pickett, uh, Mickey, 
Um, all the other guys I used to train with, I, I do miss that side of it. But um, now I get to spend it with the fellow referees and other people who go around around them. I'm I'm fortunate enough to do what I love doing uh, regarding referee and being around um, the MMA scene. So. Do you get a real buzz from like big events, refereeing big events, or certain certain fights? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you do, and you know what? It's not just on. It's not on on small on big. Whether it's big, obviously, <laughs> like everyone knows that when we do a Bellator, UFC, and we're just watching the fights or refereeing it, whatever it may be. Of course, these are the top top guys who are fighting, and if anything, you do have a slightly less hassle night because you're like. These guys are seasoned. They know what they're doing, even down to the rules talk. You don't go so much in depth because by now you should know what the hell you're doing by if you're at this stage. But we, you know, I've said it again. I've said it time before that I treat every fight as if it's one of the biggest fights, whether you're amateur, whether you're professional. And like Sam said, especially on the amateur guys, all of a sudden someone will come along and surprise you. Like, fucking hell, that was a good fight. You can see this kid going a long way or see this uh, girl going a long way. You know, so yeah, it's... It's it's lo- it's lovely to see, you know, and yeah, I do get goosebumps depending on what event and and, and fights are. Yeah, Sam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll sleep there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, no, you do get that. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we give a hundred percent, no matter whether it's amateur or professional. It doesn't matter the fight or the stage. Um, you do sometimes, obviously, you do sit there and think, you know, if you're in a big fight, you're like, you know, wow, like, you know, I'm kind of involved in the, in, in this fight but at the same time you know yeah. your focus will always be 100 percent. everything will always be you know you always be neutral no matter what doesn't matter you know whether you know yeah. you know you've refereed this fight a few times or uh, never refereed this fighter uh you always be neutral no matter what the occasion is you always you know be 100 percent focused on that fight during that moment and you know like um i'm sure dan will tell you you know you'd be surprised at you know fires adrenaline go up and so do ours you know, the adrenaline goes up because we need to be focused in the zone of, of watching yeah. every move of that fight. And I think people will probably be surprised. I mean, I'm sure if we had, uh, you know, a medical a test after, you know, a heart test after the bloody, after the bloody event, you'll probably see our heart rate is pretty high up, you know, because we're, we're so focused yeah. on a fight. Our adrenaline just kind of jacks up as well. And, you know, essentially it doesn't matter whether it's amateur, professional, you know, title fight or on a big stage. Every fight will get the same, same attention, same love, same respect and the same care, right? And what about nerves? Do you get nerves before a big event? What about your first UFC event, Dan? Like, did it feel any different? Do you know what? And people always expect a different answer. It didn't in the sense that I was fortunate enough when I done the UFC Liverpool uh, (coughs) till versus um, Thompson. I was fortunate enough that the guys I was working with, I had Leon, Mark Goddard, Neil Hall, (coughs) and you had the judges, Dave, Ben Carlidge, Colette, um, they're the same people that I've worked on other shows, whether it be Bama, whether it be Cage Warrior South Academy, whether it be Fightstar. They're the guys I'd worked with before. So for me, that sense of it, I was like, okay, I'm not by myself. I've got other people here. I know what I'm doing. I've put the work in prior to this on other events, you know, leading up at that time, nine years, nine years grafting in it. And it, it, I'd be lying if I was saying, oh, my God, look, I'm sitting here, Bruce Buffer is saying my name, or I'm sitting here and Dana White's sitting over there, or this is this is the NFL, so to speak, <coughs> of MMA. Um, but the minute I was in there, uh, I was um, switched on. I was treated it like nothing else. The only surreal thing was is how it, 
you could hear every, for the first time I could hear every breath, every punch, every kick, everything that was that was going on in that in, in the in the fight. I was like, wow, it was like out of body experience, so to speak. But yeah, it, you do get nervous, and, and you, you, you and, and but you just shake it out. You know, I've got my own little <coughs> way of doing that. I'll keep that to myself. But yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it was good. Call me, call me after Katie. I, I tell you, how he does <laughs> but so, what's how do you get to the next level of like going to all around the world doing UFC fights? And how far away from that do you think you are? Like, I, like me and Sam have this conversation all the time, yeah. It, you just put the work in. Don't matter. You know, it, 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 the the time will come. Lucky enough, we're around good people who, should they need us or want us, you know, uh, whether they put a good word in, whether they will see our hard work, whether they see the, the the loyalty we have to promotions, to fighters, to ourselves. You know, we're not don't try to cut corners. The, the, the time will come. You know, like I said, I'm, you know. But when I done my first UFC, I was like, okay, that's one. Okay, even if I do just one more in the next year, that's still another one. I've still got all my other events that I'm doing leading up to it. It's just I'm lucky enough. And like even like when we do the Bellator stuff, yes, we're not refereeing on there. But however, we're part, we're part of the operation team and, and help out there so we can see a different view of it. And I think especially in the European series that they do, they, they appreciate mine and Sam's experience as a referee, as an official, because... Um, let's not bullshit anybody. When they're back in the states, they've got shitloads of commissioners who, you know, commissioner per fighter, so to speak. Whereas we pick up on things, i.e., you're not allowed any energy drinks. I.e., you can't have that. You can't wrap your hands like this, or you need to wear this, or you know. So our referee experience comes into the operation side of stuff as well, and it is fun, you know. But I've said this hundred times. I know Sam's going to say it now. Is that just put the graft in? Do what you've got to do, uh, and like you know, we we brought a couple of judges on on board who've done uh, done a couple of uh, Goddard's uh, seminar uh, certified courses. <coughs> Same thing to them; they understand that you know we may give you one event a month, if that. But as long as you just keep plodding and keep doing it and show us you can, you're competent enough to do that judging, uh, have to be seated in that judging seat, or shadow us as a referee, or be a commissioner at an event, then then we'll keep on helping you out and same goes for us you know when I go and work with Goddard or Leon or other people I'm their student so to speak I still see myself as that say look I still got to prove to these guys that I'm low I still got to prove to these guys that I haven't grafted just because I've got to the UFC I don't go sorry Sam I can't come and do LFC or Bob's MMA on the weekend I'm done now thank you very much no it doesn't work like that I, you still got to keep yourself busy and especially like times like this I still watch fights because I can't referee I sit there and watch fights and you know think oh how do I ref this or how do I judge that you know yeah so and that's enough for me waffling go on Sam <laughs> that was another oh. question actually to, to both of you like do you when you watch MMA events on TV do you ref them in your head yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think I think I, sometimes we do. I think we we try and watch the fight, but I think we're we're pretty quick to pick out, you know, anything that we think actually that's quite impressive for what that ref's done. You know, we're 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 pretty quick to kind of highlight that as well between us. You know, not 
would never kind of slay a ref, but you know, at the same time, I think maybe as a as a wide audience, people would never see some things that maybe a ref does or appreciate what a ref does. Yeah. And you know, where we do, you know, when it comes to judging, it would judge it as a judge sometimes because it's still part of learning. You know, we're learning every day ourselves. It doesn't matter, you know, how many fights we do a year. You know, we probably do about a thousand fights a year. Uh, you know, the fact that the amateur said, you know, you do quite a number of fights in the night, or like you know, the UFC, like Dan does, for instance, you do about two or three. Um, but you know, we're still learning every day, and like Dan said, you know, it, it's not about you know shortcuts. You know, it's about learning your your craft, mastering it. You know, perfection doesn't exist. Perfection, you know, it, it's a word. At the same time, you want to be as close as perfect as possible. Um, yeah. At the same time, it's not just you know, not just for your own sake, but you know, for the people that you're there to look after. You know, for the fact that they're on these on these big platforms, you want to ensure that they want to ensure that they're also getting the best the people that have been through the experience that have seen you know many different scenarios and know how to react in those scenarios you know competence is a massive thing and it's not about you know taking long strides to get there you know take short steps people will recognize you people know who you are uh you know eventually you'll get there at the end of the day you know in this country i think we're really fortunate with the level of refs that we've got and judges uh you know i think you know you look at the ufc goddard dan uh, Neil, Leon Roberts, and I think you know the handful of judges that we've got as well, Lefferby, uh, Ben Cartlidge, these guys are all over yeah. the world. Why? They don't just, you know, officiate in the UK, they go all over. Why? Because they're the best, you know, they're, they're fantastic at what they do. And, you know, I think it would be an insult for someone like myself, you know, to think that I'll, I'll, I'll automatically deserve a spot there. You know, why? These guys are grafted for years. These guys have, have put it in from the lower events that you know, you can say the smaller events, the, the sports hall events that we're probably doing more now, before they got to there, they didn't just take a step there. They worked their way up. You know, they, they yeah. spinned it, they've seen, you know, and every day they're, they're probably still learning just as much as us as well. You know, we went and done a Mark Goddard's uh, judging course. Why? I, I, you know, I, I was sitting and say, you know, I probably knew a lot of that criteria already. But even on that day that I went and done these judges course, I still come out, actually, damn, that was a really great refresher. Damn, I actually didn't know that. You know, yeah. there's still one or two things I still picked up on. And actually, even had UFC judges within that course as well, still learning, you know, because it's all, it's all about, you know, continual professional development. You know, you've got, you know, just because you're not working fine, there's still a route of professional development within your within your craft, you know, and if that's you as a ref, you still got to grind and learn it every day. <clears throat> well, I guess you've got to watch a lot of fights while you're off, because otherwise you guys might have ring rust when you go back. <laughs> Wait, find <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah, be, be, be heavy footed for the you first know. fight. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, the, the sad thing is that obviously we had the Christmas break, so we had January, and we started to get things going February, and then we obviously done the Cage Warriors Academy, and I was like, oh, and that's it. Like, yeah. Oh shit! You know, so, heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. It, it it is, and these are the times where where you know you get to, you know like people like Ben Cartledge. I know he spoke about it on other podcasts. He sits there and watches fights, or someone like uh, Noel O'Keefe, who's a commentator for Brave FC. He's been putting out footages out of of, of comment, commentary, commentating street <laughs> like silly fights, street like fights. street fights, but actually proper doing a proper commentary on it. And you think that's clever, all right? It's not a proper fight. However, you keeping you know keep yourself relevant yeah. for one and two, just keeping your mindset in, in that in that in that commentary kind of thing, you know? Yeah, no, hundred percent. So let me go back to the um, the questions that people asked. Um, 
Oh, well, one of them was like, if there was an event in or a bout in history that you wish you'd been the referee for. Um, oh, from any event? So yeah. It is a tough one because, yeah, um, as a fan, I think I would, as a fan, I would have liked to have the Tito and uh, Ken Shamrock number one, the first fight, just because I like Tito's walkout tune on that on that night. So, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd I would love to have been say, there for life. I'd have to say probably the Manhoff and Cyborg because that fight was just. Unreal. See, I was lucky enough to you be K side. You was there. I know I was you were there, K side. Yeah, I know that, that fight was just unreal. Yeah. Oh. Amazing. I think I would pick um, Gray Maynard and Frankie Edgar. That's one of my favourite yeah, fights so of all time. When people have been saying, what fight should I go back and watch? That's my favourite. But I yeah. think that would have been so tricky to ref. There's so many times that that fight could have been So many stopped. variables, yeah. aren't yeah. yeah. And it just would have changed the, the outcome of the whole thing. You just never would have thought he could recover from that first round. And anyway... Yeah, nobody asked me anyway, but that's what I would have said. If you <laughs> Sorry, Kate. <laughs> uh, Peter always asks this question if you could change one rule in MMA, what would it be? Uh, downward elbow, the 12 to 6. I, I'd yeah. probably with that, you know, for me, I'd just. You, know, you, you can throw a, a knee to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, probably be the 12 to 6, just to move it, you know. Um, it's it's not a huge difference in terms of the impact of kind of arching it towards the end of that elbow, but yeah, I'll probably move to top six. Can I can I be honest with you? Yeah. And I know he's only being nice, but the rule he would like to change is that while he's refereeing, can he food, eat at the food same during the time? break? Yeah, food during the break. <laughs> Look at him. Do you know what? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I do often get commentators asking me if they want to feed me Haribo through the cages, and I've got to try and ignore them if they won't do it. I love how you're totally, you know, disputing this reputation by eating while we're doing the interview. Clearly, oh, no, it was an hour that you couldn't go without. No, I'll <laughs> okay, next question. Have you watched Tiger King? <laughs> no. I watched one episode. I really couldn't get into it. No, no you've got to watch it. Yeah, I watched the. His wife won't let him. I watched it. You no, know, like, yeah, she doesn't like it either. But yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, it's just all over the place. The guy's a bit mad. Oh my oh, god, you've got to get into it. into it. Have you watched it, Dan? Yeah, I have. And apparently, they've they've reopened the case. Spoiler alert. <gasps> yeah. Cheers, Dad. About about her about her possibly feeding her husband, isn't it? So yeah. I um, just think. Where the fuck is this guy if he's not, you know, like he, he must have heard about this documentary. Literally, the whole world is talking about it. It must be a really acrimonious divorce if he's like, yeah, I'm just going to go hidden and take that for this one. That's true. <laughs> but the, cra the crazy thing is only in America that, they, you know, they've, they've got that many tigers in sanctuary more than anywhere in the world. You know, it's crazy. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It was it was. I found I, I found it sad, but also I found it funny as well because obviously I had had the different stories in there. But yeah, it was it was a good one. But the main, best one at the moment I finished. I don't know if Sam's finished or not. So no spoilers. No, I've not finished. Ozark, no spoilers. Season three. No spoilers. Oh, mate. No spoilers on that. You watch Ozark, Katie? Ozark, yeah. Yeah. You finished it? No, not not three. I've I've watched Ooh. one and two, not three yet. Oh, watch number three. 
and we'll I talk about it another time. I've heard off the boil, but I've heard that three is better than any of them. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. 100%. All right, I'll get on that. Um, who do you think is the best ref and why, apart from each other? Oh, that ruined it. Um, I mean, personally, if I, I mean, I don't, you know what, this, this is a tough one to be put into. Um, but I'm going to probably put a select few that I really uh, like. And that I, if I look, I'm not going to lie, I, I like, to, I still like to watch a referee. Like a fire likes to watch a fire, learn new skills. You know, as a when I'm kind of working with the guys at Bellator, I sometimes listen to how they do their rules talk, for instance. And I like to sit there and pick up maybe one or two things that maybe. It, I'd like to do differently and we do implement certain changes that we listen from others um, likewise others will probably implement changes that they might hear from us but yeah. for me uh, obviously if I can't say Dan um, I wouldn't have put him in my top five anyways but <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I think look, look, Goddard and Leon Roberts for me are probably, you know for me you know I admire the work that they do um, I think Jason Herzog is a great ref Mike yeah. Beltran for me, it's a really like you know, I get a massive fan of Mike Beltran the way he works. Uh, and you know, people like she's on. Who? Oh, she's crying. <laughs> Katie. She's it. Oh, Katie's here. Can you know her? That's her camera's uh, gone off, isn't it? No, mate. Oh, I, was, I still look here to me. Yeah, she's still there, mate. Oh, there you go. What yeah, you so, there we go. You just stopped. Yeah, thanks for interrupting that, Dan. Yeah, so I'll say, <laughs> go back to yeah. Uh, Mike Beltran, Todd Anderson, uh, I think these guys, you know, are all, all really great refs. Um, and one, one of the referees I like to have a good laugh with is, is Kevin McDonald. I mean, I think Dad, Dad would say, you know, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Just honestly, just some of the stuff. Really good on. He's, yeah, really good. He's, he's such a great guy, such a funny guy, so a good laugh. You know, he's uh, you know, and they people, you know, see these referees at events, and you know, referees are serious at events. They have to be, you know, they have to be professional. But outside of the events, they're all great guys. You know, you have a conversation yeah. with, laughing, they're all really great guys to have a conversation with. Good luck. Does your heart go out to them if they have an absolute nightmare over something? You must put yourself in that position and think, "Thank God that weren't me." Oh yeah, okay. of course you would do, but you know, at the same time, we know that they make the any decision they make they make it with the right intent at the end of the day you know the intent is is there for them to make it and you know at the end of the day it's it's for the whether it's right or wrong you know because you've got a split second to make a call whatever the intentions are they're doing it for the right reasons uh, and i think that's what's yeah. important and and you know these guys they barely make mistakes they, they everyone's going to make a mistake here and there we're only human beings um but you know these are the guys that you know are almost there at perfection but you know they everyone but everyone on social media remembers the mistakes they made not the good they've done you know whether you yeah. stop the fire etc you know yeah. so it's, that, that's the that's the reality of it but we're not there to be be praised i guess no. <laughs> There's a difference, though, I think, between not being there to be praised and then some of the abuse that I've seen. Like, I know that Mark Goddard occasionally has put up some of the things that people have said. But he's got him. the toughest skin oh, in, in, oh. in the game, trust me. It, it does, it, 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 it goes above his head. That's What's terrible. the worst abuse that you guys have had? Uh, you've seen my abuse. I'll just say five star. That's it. I'll just go and look it up. There's a link somewhere of the top, you know, D DQs, top five DQs, and I think that one's in there. So that that's the worst worst one I've got in there. Uh, being called, being told that I, I DQ'd someone because of their race, you know, <laughs> far from it. Wow. But that's that's the worst one. Yeah. Wow, Sam. And Sam. 
I've not, I've not really had anything to that extent, to be honest with you. Uh, you have your occasional, you know, get lost for F off for F. I'm not happy with that. You know, in the heat of things, I get, you know, people aren't happy at times. You know, at the end of the day, you know, they've trained hard. They've competed. They may not be happy with the decision. You know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. You know, we'll make a decision because we have the right intentions to. Um, yeah. I haven't really had anything too bad, to be fair. You know, as I said, a, a lot of fires that I, I have had maybe an issue with in terms of them being a little bit abusive. Uh, you know, it's, it's always been amicable after. You know, they respect each other, they calm down. Well, we, you know, sometimes we'll go backstage after everything's calmed down and just talk to them sometimes, you know, talk to their coaches, you know, yeah. just make sure everyone's okay, make sure they do realize the reason why we may have made the decision or whatever the outcome might be. But generally, I've not really had anything too bad, you know, outside of, you know, maybe your F off kind of thing. Yeah. What about the craziest place you've ever left? Sure. What was I say, Bulgaria? Craziest, craziest place. I don't know. For you, it might be Vienna. Oh, Austria. Austria. No, Austria for me, definitely. Yeah. Why? Austria. So we done a, I done an event. This, uh, Dan, Dan set me up, actually. This is Dan's fault. So Dan, oh, yeah. Dan, was yeah. Dan, Dan, Dan went ACB, I, was, I think. I was so in Russia. Bama. I yeah, was in Russia. Russia. <laughs> I, I covered him for an event. So I was, in, was at Bama, uh, and then we both like, flew out separate places. He went to Russia for an event, and I had to go to Austria to cover him for an event. And uh, we... <laughs> We've done this event. Uh, it's like an MMA gym, but at the back of the gym. Okay, so it's part of the gym. It's actually run by the Hells Angels in Austria. And these people basically ran the whole gym, okay, the Hells Angel. And it's basically at the end of the night. It's really, really weird place. They had like probably about 40 seats, but they made it look good on camera for like streaming views and stuff. Um, the fires, I mean, the fires weren't bad. Yeah, some good fires there. Oh, God. Sorry. Yeah, some good fires there. Um, sorry, guys. Oh, hello. Uh, hi. Yeah. Hi. Say hi. Oh, no, oh, she's gone. Don't scare her. Don't scare her. She's scared of Dan, by the way. That's good. I'm up after. Yeah, so um, at the end of the night, well, I, I, I won't go into it too much um, because it was a bit of a hostile scene. But uh, we, you know, we've done our job. Everyone, all the officials there have done a great job. Nothing went wrong in the night. But trying to get paid at the end of the night was a bit of a hassle when you've got Hell's Angel refusing to pay you. Uh, and you have to sleep in a hotel, you know, just down the road from them. No one was willing to drop you back to your hotel and you're stuck there. We had to get the medic to drop us in his ambulance back to the hotel. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was really, really oh hostile. God. So did you get paid in the end? A part of it, yeah. Not all of it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I won't tell you what they wanted to pay us with, but... Yeah, put it this way, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't with food. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And I was thinking an ACA event or ACB event must have been the craziest. That's. Uh, I mean, that that I, I was. I was in Russia. That that was obviously when it when it was ACB before we boycotted it. Um, but that, that's the show I was at, St. Petersburg in Russia. So that, that's the one I was at. But yeah, the um, craziest place. I'll tell you what, one of the most. One of my, my wife's gonna go, uh, whatever. But honestly, for me, uh, Singapore and Israel got to be top of my top two lists that I've got to go to, which I thought was good. Why, in terms of just in, like, in terms of just, just places, somewhere, yeah, crazy, crazy, doesn't have to be bad, crazy, does it? It's crazy in the sense, look, put it this way. We went there. We got. We were we, we at the airport for four hours. Reiterate this question again for him, please, because he's a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh shit. Um. And then. Um. 
I've started writing really small because I ran out of space. Oh, Sam, this one's for you. I can't believe so many people sent us questions. I know. <laughs> Sam, why do you support Man U and don't you feel like a scumbag sellout traitor every time you walk past Selhurst Park? That's, that's Chris Emanuel's question. 100% that's from Chris Emanuel. <laughs> Listen, I can't reveal my sources. Well, well, Chris Emanuel. <laughs> That's because Palace is shit and I'll never support a shit team. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, I just uh, supported United from a young age. My dad studied in Manchester Uni, so it's natural natural for me to just uh, take on United as a team. I mean, it was unfortunate that it was at the time, fortunate for me that they were winning everything at the time when I started supporting them. But hey, coincidence, what can I say? At least no one can accuse you of being a glory hunter now. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I am a glory hunter as well. There's no doubt about that. You know? <laughs> I was brought up near Upton Park, but hey, I won't be able to support West Ham. <laughs> Brilliant. I think, we've... <laughs> I think we've covered most things, but I just wanted to give you guys the floor and the opportunity to to say anything to everybody watching that, that you'd like to to talk about I don't know if there's any new rules or anything that you guys would like to shout out I mean do you want to shout out the sponsors Dan the people that look after us oh well yeah <laughs> Vigorate obviously they, yeah. they they look after us keep us do you know what I've never used so much Vigorate in my life especially at times like this coming home from yeah. work with hand soap <laughs> wash etc <laughs> that's my daily routine now um, now, but yes, for them, for more MMA for looking after us with our apparel, clothing, and um, yeah, and and just people like yourself, Kate, giving us the platform to be able to talk. Yeah. Not even just in general, when we see you events, we have a good laugh, a good crack, and um, and and you know what? I, I'll, I'll say this even at the beginning of the podcast or the wherever we, we're going to call this interview, um, when you were talking about. The, the armbar and you talk about the rule sets etc it's nice to and I'm, it's, especially these days you do get journalists who know the rule sets know the criteria, mm. and that way educate yourself the way you do your writing it shows that you know you, you know your stuff when you're talking about it and for anyone else any other journalists who are taking this on board as well and, and educating themselves and talking to the likes of myself Sam other referees or for, even if you just hit us up on social media, what, what was this rule set? Why, why did you do this? Educating yourselves as much as we educate ourselves, it's, it's credit to you. Uh, and yeah, good work. And that's the only shout out I'd like to give. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, I'll second that. I would that say well. that um, I've been to one event where I felt like the, the safety and the standards were not up to scratch. And that more than any good show that I've been to brought home the importance of having the right officials that are there for fighter safety that you know <clears throat> all of the all of the people that you guys bring with you as a team or when you're part of a team everybody's critical to the, the safe running of that show and having seen one where I thought something dangerous yeah. could happen at any moment, yeah. it just brought it home to me even more how important what you guys do is and, you know, how how nothing should be left to to the people in the cage fighting to, to make up their mind about because at the end of the day, they're fighters. 
and they're going to fight no matter what. And there needs to be people around in their own teams that giving them good advice. And then when they're actually fighting you guys, protecting them so no of course of course I, th- I think just on that as well i'd just like to say you know we need to shout out the people that you know the, the officials that people don't see as often you know the people that you know the commissioners that run the backstage the judges that people just don't appreciate as much you know uh the cut men cut women the, you know people you know often they see what's in the cage but actually you know outside of the cage there's so much more that goes to it to ensure that one the fighters are in a comfortable place before they're mentally ready to go for a fight. You know, last thing you want to do is be, can you uh, the last thing you want to be is unorganised and put a fight, oh, this is gone missing, oh, no, you can't go on it. And, you know, just, you know, disorientate a fight before they're about to go out. You know, they've trained hard, they're trying to mentally prepare themselves. We want to put them in the best position possible backstage, you know, throughout, throughout the whole process, you know, the, the, the whole... The whole journey that they're having when they as soon as they arrive at a venue just to ensure that they're you know everything that we do is for the fighters so you know thank you to all the staff that we work with the promoters as well uh on, on all the fantastic events that are giving us the opportunities and obviously you know uh, a lot of the officials that have you know opened up the the floor for us to you know progress on as well and i would say this and the guys and girls who've come on board with us on the on the more local scenes Thank mm. you for trusting Sam and I to, to guide you through the process and whatever whatever your goals are and whatever it may be um, to, to, to take you on, you know. Well, thank you, guys. It's so nice to see your faces. I should have seen you a few more times since KJ's yeah. Academy. Yeah. So I'm glad that I've got a chance to catch up with you. Thank you for your time. Likewise. Like thank you very much. And, and be safe to everyone out there. Yeah, all jokes aside, stay at home and just be safe, man. Let, let this blow over and hopefully we can get to some sort of normality or, or yeah. being around. And I can I can actually Instagram this guy eating for real as opposed please. to... Uh, yeah. Please, guys, for the sake of Grumpy here, please stay home because otherwise I'm going to have to hear it day in, day out. So please stay home, stay safe with your families. <laughs> Uh, and we're looking forward to seeing everyone back on the scene again soon. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you both when it's safe for, for us to be fighting again and watching the fighting again. Take care, boys. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Take care. See you later. Have a good evening. See you Bye. later. Bye.